are listening to the Business RPG Podcast, a business podcast for nerds who are determined to turn their passion into a profession. I'm your host, Sir Isaac, and I would like to extend a warm Merry Christmas to all my listeners on this week going into Christmas, which is this Saturday, I believe. Very excited. This is my favorite time of year. I, I I just very much enjoy this holiday season. And wherever you're at, whatever it is that you're celebrating, I hope that you have a great season as well. And also that you're having a very good Q4. That's getting ready to close up soon. And a lot of that time, we're going to be celebrating holidays. So, you know, Q4 is just about over. But I am excited about today's episode. It is refreshing, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. I think that it's very exciting to watch other people grow, because it in turn reminds me of my growth, and reminds me, you know, whenever I look at someone else's business objectively, and how well it's doing, and how far they've come, and then I look at mine, it's really hard for me to look at mine, and even though I struggle with things like, uh, I mean, unrealistic expectations, but a lack of patience for where I think the growth needs to be and what I think needs to be happening right now. If I'm not using those metrics to assess someone else's business, then I I kind of lose integrity if I choose to hold mine by a different standard. And it's it's a good check on me where, where I'm at in my journey. This guest is a sequel you could say. Whenever I have a guest on for a second time, I've started calling it a sequel. But today you're going to be hearing from Brian from the Pokey NE. Brian is a serial entrepreneur. He has a Pokemon card business built around Japanese cards and a few other cards and things. And his business was born out of the... Uh, just when that massive demand for Pokemon cards was going on in the middle of the pandemic, he had a very unique approach to the market and how he was going to build his business. He also is a streamer on Twitch where he does rip and ship, and he has a unique approach on that. And Brian's Brian's very good at finding a way to make his own business stand out and get those results. And so I invited him to come on, share his experience, some things that he's learned in the amount of time that he's been doing this since our last interview, some things that he's wanting to try now because of where he's at a a growth standpoint, and a little bit of context. I'll include a link to our previous episode. It was it was really a mini series that we did that we did, but our previous episode in the show notes below, you can go listen to that. But last time we talked, it was a lot earlier in the year. It six, seven months ago, maybe more now. And he was just starting. I was just starting the podcast. I didn't even really have uh, an idea for the business yet that, that we're doing now. And it was a very refreshing conversation where we were able to just sit, talk, and kind of reflect a bit. But also there's a lot of meat in here. He's trying some new ventures that I'm excited to introduce to you as a possibility of what you can do. And also had some new ideas when it came to building a following and a, and a community. So there, there's a lot of meat in this episode. Before we start the episode, however, I would really like to tell you what I'd like for Christmas. If you could leave me a review on Apple iTunes and just say, say something nice down there in the comments, encourage other people to listen, but also make sure that you are liking and following or subscribe to the podcast. That way you never miss a new episode and 
if you don't do it for me, make sure that you're at least doing it for your favorite podcast. Let them know that you support them. It's free, and it's it's a very simple gift to give to a podcaster. So, with that being said, let's start the interview. Brian, welcome back to the Business RPG. Hey, thanks for having me again. Love being here. I'd like to ask you to reintroduce yourself to the show and just tell us who is Brian and what is Pokey NE. Yeah, so a quick like one minute version. My name is Brian. Uh, me and my wife Andrea started a Pokemon company out of our basement. We uh, noticed at the time you couldn't buy American cards in stores very easily, so we went to Japan, met some uh, suppliers there, import Japanese products at scale, and uh, we've been featured on Vice. We've got a Twitch channel now. We do between sixty and seventy-five thousand a month in revenue, and uh, hopefully by the end of this first quarter, twenty twenty-two, we'll hit a million. Ah, uh, congrats, man! And then I have to get a tattoo. Hey, there you go. What, what you gonna get? You gonna get something for the million dollars or something, Pokemon? Yeah, I mean, because you know, like six months ago, when a million dollars seemed like a stupid fake number, I told my following that I'd get a tattoo of a Pikachu throwing money. <laughs> And now it, it might actually happen. And so I'm like, oh, shoot, like that. That's not good. So I guess I'm, I might be doing that like before my birthday next year. We'll see. Last time we talked, you had just started doing Twitch. What has happened since then? Because your Twitch took off really, really quick. In my, in my opinion, took off really, really quick. And then you had the interview and now you're working on some new projects. What, what has Brian been up to? So it's funny. We were talking before and I had... I'm I'm shocked that my first Twitch stream was after our podcast interview. It seems like I've been doing Twitch for a long time, but it I mean objectively it did grow very quickly. Uh, we hit affiliate I think within the first three or four weeks. For some people, I mean, it takes years, and all I have to thank for that is the community that I brought from my store over. Uh, so somehow I was very lucky to get a community on Pokemon that like they're all super cool. They're all very supportive. We all vibe. A lot, a lot of toxicity in the, uh, you know, in the industry. So I avoided all that. So that, that's how we grew so fast. I mean, I think we hit nine hundred something followers the other day, seventy or so subscribers. So it's, wow. it's paying some of the bills alone. And it's, it's just the support of the community. I mean, I'm. What I've learned is, it's probably very hard to start Twitch raw. But if you already have a thing, fast growth is inevitable. What What's your strategy there? Like if you were to break down the business model of a Pokemon rip and ship stream, what would be the, what would be the elementary version of that? Yeah. What I've found is a lot of people on Twitch, their strategy is the buy a booster box or, or several booster packs, maybe at retail price. So that averages out to, I don't know, like two fifty a pack or something, depending on where you get it. And then you charge kind of an exorbitant amount on each pack. So, you know, if you buy like, uh, I, I sell Japanese stuff, so everything's in 30s, but English booster boxes are 36 packs. So if you buy a you know $100 booster box, it's a cost of $277 a pack. Well, what, the, what most people do that I've found is they charge like double or triple that. And people pay it because it's like a, a service, it's entertainment. And so what differentiated us was we never charged like a premium. Like we make profit, of course, 
But our main store, like pokeyany.com, we charge the same on the rip and ship side as we go in the store. So if you're accounting time into it, like we're taking a loss because it's way easier just shipping stuff sealed. So that's like the first part of our model is like, we just charge the same price we sell sealed. And, And a lot of people don't do that. Second thing that we do is, uh, I would say most rip and shippers, they keep the bulk, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. So if too. someone buys, yeah, it's a big thing. And I think it's bizarre. Um, basically, if someone buys a booster pack, you know, there's maybe one holographic card in it, maybe two. So the streamer would keep all the commons and uncommons and then just ship out the hits, as they call them, which are like the holographics are better. And I'm just like over here going, okay, so these people are paying a premium and they're only getting like one fifth of the cards. That doesn't make sense. So that's another thing we do. And the third thing in our business model is 24 hour turnaround. Uh, Again, I've noticed a lot of streamers, they ship stuff out on like Mondays and Thursdays. So if they stream on Tuesday, you got to wait till Thursday to get your stuff, for example. And we ship everything out between like 18 and 24 hours after the stream ends. It just makes sense. It's $5 flat shipping. It's like easy. That's our model. Just making it easy and fair. And that's something that may, maybe I got a bias in the situation because yours was the first rip and ship that I've ever watched. I, mm-hmm. I didn't even know really that was a thing until it was like, Oh, Hey, get on Twitch because we're doing this. And I, and I got on and, Anyone who wants to catch me in Brian's chat on Twitch, I'm I'm there about every other week or so. Oh, yeah. You were saying, oh, yeah, I don't keep the bulk. And I was thinking, why would anyone keep the bulk? Someone <laughs> else just bought those cards. So I was – that's a big point of integrity, I think, that comes with your streaming versus others. Right. And honestly, like I feel silly having to say that because I'm like – basically, I'm going, you keep the stuff you bought – but people need to know it because it's it's somehow a competitive advantage. I think it's bizarre. Yeah. Well, let's talk about where you're at now because, I mean, pe- people can go, they can watch Twitch, they can listen to the past interview to catch up on where you started as far as your story. But you're doing something very interesting right now. You're You're working on releasing a new product, correct? Yeah, I've got a couple things in the works. Um so now that Twitch has taken off, we're just trying to diversify a little bit. So we got, I think it'd be fun to release like a Japanese candy and snack box kind of thing. It's not, I mean, I wouldn't be the first person doing this. A lot of people, basically it's, you know, you spend 30 bucks a month and every month you get kind of like a, a bark box or a loot crate full of like Japanese candy, snacks, drinks, And again, I didn't make this up. This is a thing. Um, A lot of those come directly from Japan. So you might be paying a little extra for, you know, shipping and and fees. And they factor all that into their pricing. I think I'd be one of the few that are doing it locally. I import all the snacks and candy at scale, package it here. I'm trying to design like a cute box and cute marketing. So that's half of it. And then I ship it out domestically. So you're... Overall, your costs as a consumer are lower. So that's one of the things, the candy and snack side of things. What does it take to maintain something like that? Because whenever I talk to people with a physical product, there's the storage, there's 
you, you know, in some cases with this, with it being food, I would guess that there might be maybe some FDA or not FDA. Uh, yeah, that sounded right. Is, is there anything that you have to account for that's new, that's different? As far as I know, this stuff's all sealed product. There's no, there's no prep. Like I'm not cooking it. So that, that saves you a ton of effort right there. Basically, any any idiot could go to eBay and sell, you know, the a, a rare flavor of Pringles or whatever, and there's no issue. It's mm-hmm. a sealed product. There's a nutritional label on it. I think you have to keep in mind expiration dates. There's price on, like I haven't even looked into it that deeply. I just know I'm gonna do it. My basement is absolutely filled to the brim with cards. Our house isn't very big, but I'm gonna find a way to store, you know. $5,000 worth of candy and snacks. I just don't know where I'm going to do it. <laughs> so not a lot of, not a lot of a thought, but I, I know I'm doing it. I'm doing it right now. I mean, I'm working on it right now. Do, do you have any subscribers yet as far as to this monthly package? No, I'm, I'm, I'm still very early on. I mean, I'm building the website out. I did kind of like a test run where I, I literally went to a local Asian market uh, here in Omaha not a lot of those in Omaha, by the way. right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I literally just bought a bunch of Japanese Kit Kats, and they they charge way too much for them. And so then I went and I sold little bundles of like I called it like the Pokemon, like what do I call it, snack and pack, like snacks and booster packs. And so it was like a lot of like six mini Kit Kats and five booster packs. And I sold it. I don't know. It was like forty bucks. So it, was, it was some kind of deal I made, and I, I lost money on the on the candy on the Kit Kats. But I wanted to kind of test like if there was interest, and there was. I mean, several of these bundles sold pretty quickly. So you know, you're eating Japanese candy, you're opening Japanese cards. It's it's on theme. So I was like, okay. So I, th- I think I lost like three or four hundred bucks just kind of like testing it out. And then I'm like, okay, this exists. So. Now, me and my uh, Pokemon card supplier, funnily enough, I'm going to be like, yo, with your, uh, you know, 15 grand of the new uh, brilliant star set or whatever, send some Kit Kats. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's kind of the idea. I mean, that's, I already got a plug in Japan. I might as well use it. I got my eyes opened up the other day. I did an interview with someone who is uh, another Pokemon business that has been on the show before. My mind's been just open to everything that's kind of going on behind the scenes on the end of a business. Like, well, not everything because every business is different. But would a supplier of cards be able to also be a supplier of food over in Japan for something like this? Yeah. Well, first of all, I saw that that I listened to that podcast. Those people are cool, man. Yeah. Uh, As far as the supplier thing, I mean, like not officially, like a, a, a supplier here, like a warehouse in the states like i know i don't think they could intermix anything but like my guy you know he's just basically a a guy that i essentially trust with my life at this point so i he would have to ship them in separate boxes i don't think literally that i could have you know shiny star v next to a bag of uh peach flavored kit kats that doesn't seem plausible but you know same kind of idea like hey ship all this stuff in one lot kind of thing. But yeah, I would guess this is something that's certainly not typical. What what else do you have going on? Or, or is that all that you have as far as the food? Yeah, so that that's all with the food. Um I'm I'm starting like 
again, this this stuff's all very starty, but I, I want to make uh, like a YouTube course, you know, free, like a free course. I hate the word course because it sounds like you're trying to sell it, but a free YouTube playlist, I should say, kind of telling people how I did what I did. And there's there's two reasons for that. Number one, people email me daily after the whole Vice show. Uh, my my 12 minutes of fame congratulations by the way thank you it was super fun like i loved it i have zero complaints they did a great job uh, sans a few uh cringy scenes in there that i did not want to do <laughs> but you know it, it got me out there and people want to know how i did it and i'm doing i'm doing the gary vaynerchuk model of i'll tell you exactly what i did and for the one percent of the one percent that try it and succeed awesome now I got some good competition. The, the course, basically, I'm taking a very raw and honest approach to how I did it. I think there's a lot of people in my position that they give very generic advice, kind of like, follow your dreams. You know, you just got to hustle. Uh, that word, hustle. I love the word, but people use it wrong. And then they'll go, uh, if you want to sell Pokemon cards, you got to call every supplier you know 47 times. And I'm like, yo, that ain't going to work if you're new. If you got $1,000 laying around, they're not going to talk to you. So my whole theme is kind of tough love. I'm like, no one knows who you are. No one cares what you want to do. And nobody wants your $1,000. You got to start yourself. So one of the episodes, I literally go, yo, you want to know how I found my supplier? I cheated eBay and uh, totally defied their terms of service. (laughs) And my account might get banned. Because like, who's going to say that? Like, Mm -hmm. who's going to be honest about that? And it's like anyone that thinks I'm lying, I'm like, yo, why would I lie about that? That's such a weird thing to lie about. So it's just raw. Like that's that's the theme, just raw and honest. And it's it's not sexy, you know? And it's like my my YouTube channel's not sexy either. I and I say it in every episode, I'm like, yo, welcome to your uh what did I say, your unedited, unrehearsed episode of this podcast. Because I, I tell the people straight up, I'm like, I don't have time to sit down on Adobe Premiere Pro or final cut and edit these and make them sexy because when I'm not teaching you guys exactly what I did, I'm doing it. And that's another, it's like, there are so many like business people who they, they sell a course based on something that they couldn't even do. And not that I'm selling this, but if I say I was, if I'm selling it for a hundred bucks, well, if you're making more selling a course, then you are selling the thing that inspired the course. Well, you're, then you're a scam artist. Well, what are some other questions that you have people reaching out asking you about? Because uh, there, there's probably more than just that one question as to why you need to make this course. Is there anything else? Yeah, I get uh, pr- pretty much almost daily. It's It starts, hey, Brian, comma, saw you on Vice, dot, dot, dot. Always wanted to sell Pokemon cards for a living. Can you give me your supplier? Wow. Yeah. So I'm just like, oh, okay. No, but <laughs> <laughs> that's most emails. And then this this one was really interesting. The guy calls me. Definitely has like you know that that business person voice and cadence. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but calls me and he's like, so Brian, I'm kind of a business guy. Da 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 da. And he wants to get going on this. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, yeah. So I, I talked to him for a while. And he literally didn't know anything about Pokemon. 
Wow. And he fully acknowledged it. This wasn't like a gotcha. You know, he's, he's like, I just like what you're doing. I think it's a good idea and I want to do what you're doing. I'm like, okay, well, it would certainly help knowing about Pokemon, but I guess if you're not streaming, it's not a requirement. Um, but ironically, this guy who literally called me wanting to sell Pokemon cards, admitting that he knew nothing about Pokemon, like, you can judge whatever, ethics, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But the guy actually was, it was it was the only, like, cohesive phone call I ever received. He's like, I know you can't give me this. What I want is exactly what you said on YouTube, and I want to buy it from you and see if I can sell it at, like, a on a local brick-and-mortar level uh, in my, like, they they have a little market area in their city. So I was like, you know what? I thought this phone call would go very differently. Kudos to you. So sometimes I get someone that really knows what they're doing. But it's it's mostly, hey, can I get your supplier? Well, let me ask some questions kind of in retrospect as far as where you're at now because we talked I, I want to say it was I want to say it was like April. Yeah, it's probably about right. What has changed? In, in your business, what is what has just changed from the business model that you presented then to how your business model is now? So if you're trying to start a thing, a lot's changed literally in the past month because for a while, nothing really changed. So number one, our whole thing was we sold Japanese cards because you couldn't buy American cards. So Japan was the next best thing. Well, now, as of two weeks ago, uh, you know, it's it's December 1st when we're doing this. So mid-November, well, there's a lot of cards out now. You can go to Walmart, you can go to Target, you'll probably find a bunch, depending on your city. So that whole competitive advantage is shot. I mean, you can buy them anywhere. So that's what's changed for me. So for you listeners, maybe, maybe start looking at American, which is not what I would have suggested eight months ago because it didn't exist. As far as the market, I mean, the price of everything is completely shot. Like booster boxes that were selling for 200 a month ago are going for 90 on eBay. It's, everything's completely screwed up. It doesn't affect me strangely because even though, yeah, you can buy American cards now, I've developed such a following that people don't care and they still buy from me. And some people like, me and, and about, I'd say four other, it's definitely not just me, like me and several other people doing what I do, we've, we have shifted the mind of the market. So they're going to stick around. I'm not worried myself, but the English card market, it's just like, what, what, what I understand is number one, Pokemon completely shot up their, their printing presses and they went like full out on reprints everything like i think from the vivid voltage era which is like a year ago or more maybe not about a year ago like that's all getting reprinted all this stuff's reprinted and it's just it, it's it's like it's like uh the, the u.s dollar in america it's just it's worthless. <laughs> and so so i so i was talking to this dude the other day actually this is really good timing and he's got a he just got a distribution license to sell pokemon cards from like you know an official warehouse and it's so funny because he sent me the prices on it. We talked for a long time. The distrib- distributor prices on, say, a, a booster box of Battle Styles, which is like a relatively new set, the distribu- the distributor charges more than market price right now. Wow. Which is nutty. So a lot of people think in, in the Pokemon world, I, I forget this is a business podcast, not a Pokemon <laughs> podcast, but 
in the in the Pokemon world, you're literally better off if you want to be a reseller. You're better off buying from eBay and flipping it than you are buying from a real distributor. And I don't think there's any industry where that's probably the case. So super weird in that aspect of things. Um, my argument is this is like when Bitcoin takes it takes a crap, or you know when something bad happens in crypto and it goes all down. Well, the smart people aren't selling; they're buying it. So the distributors are are basically their stuff's more than market price, but it's still cheap, you know. And you can't go to eBay and buy. $20,000 worth of stuff. It's not realistic. It would take too long. So my argument is, I'm like, dude, if I were you, I would give your distributor like 50 grand, buy everything, and then hold it for six months when the market bounces back. And I think that's relevant in any industry. I mean, if, if, you're, in, if you're selling Hot Wheel cars and, I don't know, the Hot Wheel CEO says something horrible in a tweet or whatever, and, and, and Hot Wheels like, Everyone hates Hot Wheels now. They're burning Hot Wheels, whatever. That's when I'd be buying all of them. Because in six months, no one's going to care about the, you know, insert ist term here. And they're going to want Hot Wheels again. So I'm, tr I'm trying to make it relevant for everyone else. It's like, when you see, when, when people are running away, you better be running the other direction. That'd be my advice for someone starting out. You're not going to get a distributor's license with $1,000 to your name. But... Take advantage of the market, spend your $1,000, see if it can make you $1,100 back, spend that. Maybe you'll end up making 400 profit by the end of that week. It's like, but now's the time to run towards, towards the fire because a lot of people are selling off and running away. That's interesting because I've had a couple of guests come on and they think that Pokemon is starting to go back to where it was pre-pandemic, back before all the hype happened which mm -hmm. I, I was going to ask you at some point today if you thought that's where things were starting to go. Do, do you think that it's going to have a baseline and bounce back up? So I think that there was uh, there's a point zero, like a, a baseline before COVID and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And obviously it went to like 10 during COVID. It just, everything's yeah. crazy. Everything's gone. Well, now yeah. everything's gone. Everything's crazy. Well, now I would argue that we're at like negative four. It might not climb up to COVID levels again, but it still has to climb back up to the baseline, in my opinion. To me, we're below the baseline. So if, I mean, so let's say you buy an $80 booster box. Well, to me, in two months, honestly, that's going to be worth 100 bucks. So, oh, you make $20, big deal. Well, you do it a thousand times, that's a lot of money. If you have the means to do that, I mean, whatever your number is, if it's 10 times, five times, whatever, if you have the means to do something a lot, then you should do it. And there's a chance it might shoot up to a stupid level again. And we got a lot of factors coming. I mean, in January, brand new Pokemon game comes out, Legends of Arceus. It's basically Breath of the Wild combined with Pokemon. People are going to go nuts. Yep. So that's going to be a big deal. Logan Paul is doing another booster box opening in February. Because I know him and Pokemon are, you know, they're sleeping in the same bed. They know yeah. exactly what they're doing. <laughs> Because, like, who does anything in February? Come on, man. They, they're going to enjoy the holiday season. Black Friday shoppers, all that. And then in February, where retail's nowhere, they're having Logan come back. Be like, yo, you need to get this fire started again. 
So Logan's going to come back in February. It's going to be nuts again. Da, da, da. And then there's this new strain of COVID, I guess. The, some with an O. Yeah. By the time you post this, I'm going to look like an idiot because I'm sure it's a common sense term. But there's a new thing of COVID. And I'm, the way our government's been dealing with it, I could see another, you know, big thing where we stay at home more. We stay away from each other. I could see that happening again for better or worse. Great for business. Yep. <laughs> so, I, you know, I mean, to be blunt. And so I'm like, that's 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 where I see it going. I see it going right back up. Do you th- see the same trend going on on the Japanese side? Because I know that with like the Japanese cards, the Korean cards, they have the same Pokemon. Sometimes they have different Pokemon, but they have their own versions. Like they have their own season, their own box. If right. I, if I'm right. not mistaken. Do you see the same thing happening in those markets as you see in the American market right now? Japan's weird because <laughs> they're just weird. Japan's weird. Number one, they get pretty much everything first. So like there was EV Heroes was a super popular set based around EV, which is like big box. Yeah, everyone's like third favorite Pokemon at least. And Japan got it before America got the equivalent. And so, like, we're in 2021. People don't want to wait for anything. They want to be the first ones. So Japan always will have that advantage. They release, like, then there's differences, but, like, EV Heroes in Japan turned into Evolving Skies in America, whatever. So if you want to be first to get the cool new EV card, whether you can read it or not, Japan's always got it. So they're they're pretty much safe in that department they're always going to be first um a lot of people hate the quality of american cards so japanese cards are objectively better um so i don't see that faltering japan i mean i i think japan's pretty safe from all this it's it's been steady for me i mean i was terrified when i heard that americans were reprinting everything because that was my whole competitive advantage was Yo, you can't go to Target, bro. Come on, buy my stuff. But once you have a community, I mean, that's a whole different podcast talking point. When you have a community, the market doesn't matter because they want to support you. I don't. I don't think it's a big deal. I think. I think Japanese cards are just fine, at least for me. Your business is a really good example of that point you just made when when it comes to community, because I'll see. For example, the whole reason that I heard about you was because one of my listeners was following you and they said, hey, go go check him out. He would make a good guest, which they were right. Shout out to them again. I forget what their name was. Correct me if I'm wrong. You have a community built around your brand that is the Pokemon cards, and that is your security in the market. Talk about building a community because now you're doing it in different ways than you were before. Before it was just TikTok. It was getting those unique cards and the supplier and, and whatnot, but you've been branching off into different areas. What's your tips for building a community outside of TikTok? Yeah. I mean, I would even argue like having a popular TikTok is not even a community. I, I probably said it was back in the day. I mean, to me, like TikTok is a following. A community is more intimate and I was probably wrong in the last interview. Like I thought having 30,000 followers on TikTok, I thought that was a community. It's not, it's a, it's a following. They don't care about you really. They just like the stuff you're posting to build a community. I mean, you need, 
you need to take the TikToks and, and go on a different level. It's got to be like an intimate, like your homies with the person. And so for me, that involved making a Discord, which for the record, Google it. Anyone can do a Discord. It's free. It's very easy. I didn't know a thing about Discord. I, I've heard of it, but I'd never been on it. I just knew that was a big deal for people. So I made a very bare bones Discord. I can design a whole website, but I couldn't design a Discord for the life of me. So I made a very bare bones Discord and I already had kind of a community. And I was like, hey guys, here's my email and password. You're all owners of this. Make it cool. Make it your own. I gave like 20 people complete administrative rights to my Discord, which like probably not a great idea for the record. But I was like, I trust you guys. I barely know you, but here, take this, make it cool. And they did. There's like all these emojis and all this special stuff. They made the whole thing. And so one, give your people power. I mean, don't drop your freaking social security number and be like, yo, guys, I trust you. But give your people the power to create an environment that they want to play in. Discord's a great way to do it. I'm sure there's other examples, but... That was number one for me. And then number two was actually like actually engage with the people like a a heart thing on Instagram. Like that's not engagement. Like you got to start like the other day, this dude probably will never even buy from me, but he follows me. He DMs me. He's like, hey, man, got some questions. Would, Would be honored if you responded. It's three in the morning. And I'm like, yeah, bro, what's up? Yeah, I mean, he the guy probably crapped his pants. Because not because I'm like this cool big deal, but like if I DM anybody, if they have 100 followers or 100,000 and they DM me back at three in the morning, I'm like, okay. And I kid you not, I talked to this dude for two hours straight, three to five a.m. And uh, yeah, I mean, it probably made a big deal to him and he probably told three people if that. But like, that's the kind of stuff you do. Every email you get, even if it's stupid. Every DM you get, you respond to them and you do it like thoughtfully. And it takes a lot of time. I tell people I work 17 hours a day because I do. And they're like, well, are you just packaging orders? Can't you outsource that? And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm packing orders, but that's only six hours. I'm ta- I'm talking to people all day, all day. Mm-hmm. And, and making content that they'll enjoy. The, Twitch is a great way to start a community, but ironically... You kind of need a community to get started on Twitch. It's like a chicken and egg thing. Like you can't get on Twitch playing, uh, I don't know, whatever the kids play, Fortnite, whatever it is. No one, no one cares. Like, what do you got that's different? Like you got to either bring an audience over or you need to do something really freaking different on Twitch. I don't know what that would be, but you, you need to do something completely different. If you have cute dogs, I exploit my cute dogs all the time. I have a I stream Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, uh, new games on the Switch. I have a doggo cam where I point a nice 4K picture towards my couch, and the dogs are sleeping. And like that's interesting. Like I don't know a lot of people doing that. And it's got like a lo-fi hip-hop vibe. There's cute dogs sleeping in the background. Introduce them to your pets on IG stories. Like if you got pets. People like pets. People don't always like babies. So I don't know I, if I'd suggest like human babies, but like like if I if my favorite follower posted a video of their baby every day, I'd be like nah. But if they had a cute cat, be like oh that's adorable. 
Taylor Swift does it. She, everyone knows Taylor Swift loves her cats. Like she bought a house for her cats and they love her. Like they're just so cute and they're spoiled and it's funny. And that's her thing. And like, she's obviously famous for 17 other reasons, but her community knows the cat's names, the cat's birthdays, what they like to eat. Like you need to give people a lot of you, like an uncomfortable amount of you. Uh, most of my following know that I I'm bipolar. Like they know my mental disorders, you know what I mean? Like you don't need to give them, I mean, you know, be smart about it, but the more you give the people, the faster you're going to build a community. Cause now I've got people that like dogs. Oh, this kid likes dogs. Cool. He's probably a, a nice guy. I've got the, the bipolar thing. Oh, wow. I have mental health issues too. Cause who the hell doesn't that dude's talking about it openly. I'm going to join his discord Half the people pride, like half of my people that watch, they didn't even care about Japanese Pokemon. They just like liked the vibe and they gave it a shot and they're like, Oh, this is dope. So I, to summarize it, I mean, give everyone way too much information, share your cute dogs and give them a platform where they can make it their own. I think discord's a great place for that, but there's probably other examples. I had it twisted. A community and following are definitely different things. Um, that, real, real quick, have you have you heard of Hopson, the rapper? No, sir. Okay, so Hopson, kind of a. I, I mean, he's he's basically Eminem. Okay, kind of. He's like a younger Eminem. Um, he he went through some serious stuff in the past five years, but Hopson, when I was in college, like twenty, like twenty twelve, twenty fourteen, Hopson. He's this rapper, you know, he spits absolute fire. He's got a whole crew, just as good of a lyricist as anyone on the radio now. His whole thing was he, he skated, he was a skater, and he skated with all his fans after every show. Like they'd find the local skate park and they just skate. And as you can imagine, the dude's famous. Like, I mean, he's a big deal. Like, he's not some underground rapper, he's like a big deal. Like, you travel the country to see him. And you can skateboard with them. I mean, come on. Like, that's 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 honestly what Gary V. I watch a lot of his stuff inspires me to do things the way I do them. But Hobson in 2013, I will never forget. Like, that's that's insane. I'm not a skater, but if I was and I could skate with freaking Eminem, I mean, come on. Like, that's how you build a community. Skate with your people. Well, where are some places that people can find you, Brian? So, um, our store is pokeyne.com. We have a Twitch, uh, which is twitch.tv slash pokeynelive. And then with the Twitch website, with the Twitch account, we have a separate website to buy stuff for the Twitch ripping chips. That's uh, pokeynelive.com. Uh, YouTube, the Tag is pokeyne underscore Pokemon. And I think that's the tag for Instagram and TikTok too. I was real organized. There you go. Yeah. So all the all those places. Brian, thanks again for coming on the show. I'm gonna have links to all of his socials and his store and again the previous episode that we had in the show notes down below. Be sure you go down there, give him a follow, and let him know that that you found him through the business RPG. He loves the network that goes in behind 
how you find Tim and how he finds other people. So that that would that would really tickle him, and also just tell him that I say hi, guys. I hope that you again are having a very merry Christmas. Be safe going into this new year. You will be hearing from me again next week. We already got next week's episode lined up, and it's it's really going good. But I have another ask before we we sign off here. If there's anyone going into the new year that you would really benefit from for your business or if there's a business model that you're really curious about or a resource go ahead and let me know you can find me on instagram again at business rpg and we can have a conversation there but in the meantime i hope you enjoy